This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from The David Pakman Show, The Young Turks, The Colbert Report, The Onion Radio News, The Rachel Maddow Show, The Daily Show, and Media Matters, with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from The Daily Show. A Kansas Republican is saying that being raped is like getting a flat tire. Evan Hurst has a great post about this over on truthwinsout.org. And as we know, not only are so many religious conservative men anti-gay, they also seem to have a pretty big problem with women, or at least have absolutely no respect for women. So is there a description of this uh, analogy? Oh, absolutely. This guy, Pete DeGraff, of course he's a pastor, as we know. So when he talks about these things, it's not his personal opinion, it's all the word of God. So Mm -hmm. keep that in mind, Lewis. So when he wants to ban abortion coverage from insurance, even in cases of rape, which he wants to do, it's the word of God. We can't judge Peter DeGraff based on this. So his suggestion is some abortion-only insurance policies, okay? And Representative Barbara Bollier, who's a Mission Hills Republican who actually supports abortion rights in Kansas, she questioned whether women would buy an abortion-only policy long before they have an unwanted pregnancy or are rape victims, because it can be kind of hard to predict, Mm -hmm. right? I think so. And during the debate about this, Pete DeGraff, who's a Mulvane Republican who supports this bill, told her, we do need to plan ahead, don't we, in life. And Bolger came back and said, so women need to plan ahead for issues that they have no control over with a pregnancy. And DeGraff drew a lot of groans from House members when he said, I have a spare tire on my car. I also have life insurance. I have a lot of things that I plan ahead for. So, hey, listen up, ladies. You need to spend your hard-earned dollars on a separate insurance policy. Because we know regular health insurance is already really good and really cheap and very accessible to everybody. So you're not, there's no way you would have a problem with that. So buy a separate insurance policy just in case someone decides to brutally rape you. And by the way, expect to be, expect to have implied that it might have been your fault because how you were dressing or you were on the, in the wrong part of town that night or whatever, you end up pregnant. I mean, it was probably your fault anyway, right? And, and of course, According to uh, some people, you deserved it, arguably. Pete DeGraff sounds like a really good guy. There are only three abortion clinics, okay? They're very, very strict on um, their abortion policies there. And they are planning on shutting down the three that remain by making these impossible standards to keep them open, okay? So, um, as I mentioned, there are three. 
And all three of them now have to follow these very, very specific and detailed rules. And I'm going to read those rules to you guys. So according to some of the new clinic requirements, an abortion facility in Kansas must be set to a temperature between 68 and 73 degrees at all times, have a janitor's closet of at least 50 square feet, and an operating room of 150 square feet, feature separate dressing rooms for staff and patients, and have 13 different types of drugs on hand. A patient is now required to stay in the recovery room, which must have a different temperature of 70 to 75 degrees for at least two hours after her procedure, even if the procedure requires no anesthesia. So one of the clinics has already failed these requirements, and it is already closed, shut down. Okay, there are two remaining, and... Um, they've, already, they've already failed. They're going to get shut down. They're going to... Exactly. So it's done, okay? If you are a woman in Kansas uh, and you want to have an abortion, even though the Constitution, even though a Supreme Court ruling gives you the right to have a, uh, an abortion, you have to now travel out of state. Right, because of these nonsense laws. The, the best part of the... Well, first of all, the best part is the 50-square-foot janitor's, janitor's closet. Right, because I, if my... Uh, Michael and I talked about this on WMB, but if my wife or daughter needed to have an abortion, I would want to make sure the doctor was competent. I would want to make sure that the janitorial supply closet was at least 50 square feet. And fully stocked. And fully stocked. And I would want to make sure that she were given the proper drugs to deal with her pain. Those would be priorities one, two, three. <laughs> I mean, what, the, what What? are you talking about? And then the, the room, again, where you said 68 to 73 degrees. I didn't know about the 70 to 75 degrees for the recovery room. For at least two hours after the procedure. Right. Um, the room where the will have to have 150 square feet, excluding fixed cabinets. Like, they got that in there. So the cabinet space, that doesn't count. This is unconstitutional. Okay? Yes. Yes, it is. This is against the law, and I don't know how they're getting away with this. Well, it's, it'll, when it gets challenged, I assume that it'll get overturned. And certainly, it would certainly, actually, it would get overturned. Well, I mean, it would get overturned at the Supreme Court level unless the Supreme Court decided that this was the case they would use to take a look at whether they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade, um, which is debatable about the votes that they would have to do that. Um, we think they don't. Um, but I don't know. I have very little faith in the Supreme Court. Um, they've been passing, uh, they've been making rulings that are super questionable, Citizens United being the number one thing that comes to mind. So I, I, don't, I don't know how they would well, the, rule in this case if it did reach the Supreme Court. They'd rule, they'd, they, they'd stop it, because it's just like poll taxes and literacy tests for black voters given the right to vote. It's exactly the same thing. The law has passed, and then you get around the law by setting up unreasonable burdens that make the law, that, that may essentially make the law inapplicable. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, hey, blacks can vote, that's great. Uh, okay, you know, there's a poll tax, you gotta pay $3 to vote. You don't have $3? No, you can't vote. You know, um, or they take uh, blacks who had been essentially brutally educated for years and years and years after they got the right to vote and mm -hmm. made them read complicated parts of the Constitution, and then like, okay, you can't vote. The Supreme Court ultimately was like, yeah, no, mm -hmm. you can't do this. And nothing has changed. There's still, we think, five votes that would keep Roe versus Wade on the Supreme Court if they were to get this case. But so even, you know, uh, other federal courts would say, look, this is unreasonable. You don't need a freaking janitorial closet. You know, states have some right to restrict abortions, and, you know, parental notification laws have been upheld. Uh, there are certain things that states can do, but they can't 
do this. This is unreasonable. This is just entangling the process deliberately. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, what I, what I love about this story is the Republican lawmakers that passed this legislation, when they're questioned about this, they're like, no, 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 no. We're not trying to shut down the abortion yeah. clinics. We just want to make sure that these women who are um, getting this service, we just want to make sure that they're safe and they're in a clean environment. What? You don't want them to be in a clean environment? Is that what you're asking me? State Senator Garrett Love says, I don't believe semi-clean to be okay. I don't believe it to be okay for poor women. I don't believe it to be okay for rich women. So he's just standing up for women. That's, <laughs> That's the case. Doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is. <laughs> he's looking out for you. He wants to make sure that that janitor's closet is the right size, fully stocked, and you're in a you know nice temperature when you're getting your abortion. Kansas Department of Health and uh, Environment uh, spokesman Robert Moser, who's a physician himself, says implementing the new regulations have been consistent with the work that the KDHE is already doing to ensure Kansans have safe, reliable healthcare facilities in all uh, healthcare in all facilities within the KDHE's uh, KDHE's purview. Yeah, except now they can't safe, reliable. Not except now you can't have an abortion, right. which you're legally allowed to do. So I'd be interested to see what happens next, but I, I can't imagine that this law stands. It's comical. The janitor's closet. Shame, boatloads of shame. Day after day, more of the same. The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. is a feminist icon and the subject of a new HBO documentary. And it's only 75% as long as documentaries about men. Please welcome Gloria Steinem. <laughs> Gloria, good to see you again. How are you doing? Good, good. All right, I don't have to introduce you. You're, uh, as I said, you're a feminist icon. No, no, Yes, no, no you are. You're a feminist icon. Good there are people who wear pictures of you around their neck. <laughs> but icon is really dangerous because then you get an iconoclast. You know what I mean? I mean, oh yeah, people come tearing idea. after you. People come attacking you for being an icon, and here we go. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm ready. Okay, All right. um, this documentary, it's Gloria in her own words. Um, why do you need to express yourself in your own words? Are you misinterpreted by other people? Probably, and probably that will go right on because it is in my own words, but it's just much more intimate, I think, because you, well, here's what happened. They asked me questions, and I tried to answer as honestly as I could, uh, and then they created a documentary around it. So it's kind of like jumping off a cliff, you know, for... <laughs> 
and uh, it turned out amazingly it's well. A, it's a great yeah. documentary. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, really is, it, it really is a window into a time when sexism existed. <laughs> <laughs> but now everything's equal. There, there, there's spanks for men now. There are. I there are. There's spanks for men. Yeah, Trust me. Only certain. <laughs> Um, where, where do you where do you see uh, the feminist movement existing now? Well, actually, the, the thing that concerns me about the documentary is that people look at it and see where we have been for twenty or mm -hmm. thirty or forty years and how much we've done. We've done a lot because you know now we know that say women can do what men can do. Most folks right. would agree with that. Absolutely. But we don't know that men can do what women can do. Uh huh. Ah, we cannot. We <laughs> cannot. Have, we cannot have the babies. No, and, and therefore we cannot have the babies. I have and that's talked why, to a lot of doctors. <laughs> and that's why it would be great if men spent that much more than half the time caring for the children, because women have spent a year or whatever, you know. So nine months. So so. <laughs> I don't. Know, I don't know what species. I don't know what species but you're I, from, but nine months where I come from. Oh, so so you, you, nobody nursed you. No, 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 no. I was, I, I had, uh, I had formula. I'm a child of the '60s. That explains. So, so men should share half. Men should share half the duties plus nine months. That would even things out. Yeah, right. That's logic. Logic is in the eye of the logician, right? No, but I mean, it's really important, seriously, that that kids grow up knowing that men can be as loving and nurturing as women can. I thought the role of the father was to take his emotion and stuff it down as much as he can. Until it comes out inappropriately at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, let's look at a quick little clip. What we are talking about is a revolution and not a reform. Gloria Steinem, she is the most visible symbol of the women's movement. You understand it's not a role exchange. We're not trying to, to do to men what men have done to us. We're trying to humanize both roles. Every generation has its own names. More than a third of this march is women under 25 years old. You know, people who empower other people. Susan B. Anthony said, our job is not to make young women grateful, it's to make them ungrateful. So they keep going. We're not going to stop. If there was one thing that you could tell to younger women today who um, did not experience the feminist movement of the 60s and the 70s. Mm -hmm. One example of what happened then that doesn't happen anymore, that changed because of the feminist movement, what, what would it be? What would you shock them with? Uh, well, there are a lot of things in the movie, as you'll see, you know, that... We don't have time you, for the whole you, movie you could, right now. <laughs> <laughs> that you, 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 there, there were restaurants in which women could not be seated or could not go at lunchtime. There we, when we got married, we lost most of our civil rights, our names, our credit ratings, our legal domicile. Uh, and basically, we thought that our position was due to nature or, you know, Freud or God. I mean, I don't know. But Venus anyway. Envy. <laughs> There's I, nothing to be envious of, by the way. <laughs> it's really a burden. Well, uh, <laughs> you, I have heard you say. It is. I have it, heard you say that you were uncomfortable being perceived of as pretty, like the pretty feminist. Why? 
Well, it, it's, it has to do with being identified by your outsides, not your insides. So women mm. who were pretty, were people said, oh, they just succeeded because they were pretty. Mm -hmm. Women who were not pretty, whatever that means, they said, oh, that's just she's succeeding because she couldn't get a man. So we all basically had the same problem of mm -hmm. being identified by our outsides right. instead of our hearts and minds and so on. And uh, but the fact you know, that is, still goes on. Right, but right, the fact right. is, you're pretty. Well, you're pretty, too. I've been waiting the whole interview for that. <laughs> I can't believe I had to wait six minutes. Gloria, thank you so much. Gloria Steinem, the documentary Gloria, in her own words, premieres Monday night on HBO. A Wisconsin man has been arrested for planning to shoot abortion providers, quote, right in the head. Now, of course, I don't need to tell you this is a completely isolated incident. Right-wing terror is not a problem in this country. There is no link or even a need to report on the collective of these incidents. That's a good disclaimer to start with, right? Mm, yeah. We've heard that many times. This individual's name is Ralph Lang. Employees at a Motel 6 in Madison, Wisconsin, called police after he told them he accidentally fired a gun in his room according to a criminal complaint that was provided to the Wisconsin State Journal. He also went on to tell police department officers that he bought the gun in 09 to, quote, lay out abortionists because they are killing babies. Now, we have the map, if we can put it up, of all of these isolated incidents, which have nothing to do with each other. They are so few in number that it absolutely makes no sense to have any real reporting about these on mainstream media as a collective. But let's focus, of course, on let's have American Muslim hearings, because that's really the problem. That's really the problem. Now, the criminal complaint also says that he told the officer, Lang told the officer, he wanted to find the abortion doctor at the local Planned Parenthood clinic and shoot him in the head. He was asked if he was only going to shoot the doctor or also the nurses. And he said, I wish I could line them all up in a row, get a machine gun and mow them all down. And for those who are going to say it's empty threats. We can't just start going crazy because of every lone guy like this. The guy purchased weapons and he traveled to the place where he was going to do this. He also said he was in Wisconsin a week earlier, but he didn't murder anyone then because he realized he was not 100% in sync with God. So it was when he became 100% in sync with God that... The, the murdering could... Uh... On his subsequent trip, he was in sync with God and was ready to commit the murders, but he accidentally fired the gun in his Motel 6 room. Mm -hmm. In 07, Lang was arrested at the same Planned Parenthood clinic after he told an officer that the Bible states that anyone involved in abortion should be executed. You know what's unbelievable about this, ladies and gentlemen? Imagine if the underwear bomber had attempted an, uh, uh, an underwear bombing, or rather had been arrested for something related to a, a bombing like that in 2007. Would we not know about him now? Would this not have been wall-to-wall -wall coverage much more than it was when he was actually taken off of that plane? This is a man who in 07 was already arrested for planning to murder 
anyone involved in abortions. And now he's back. And no, but I guarantee you 99.9% .9 of our audience will never have heard of Robert Lang before today, before no this story. So this to me, this guy's not any less, any less crazy than the underwear bomber. Barely a mention of this in mainstream media, barely a mention in conservative media. We hear the same lone gunman talk. We hear the same isolated incident Why talk. Why are people afraid to, to talk about right-wing terror? As a collective. Yeah. I don't know. It certainly can't be fear of racism, right? I mean, that, we're seeing that by talking about all of the American Muslims. Mm -hmm. Even though many are denying, they're saying it's just statistics. So Robert Lang is a name we should have known. We'll, and just, Robert, we'll just put another, uh, another tack on the map. If Robert Lang were Muslim, we would all know who he was already. Sometimes things just need to be said. Just come on, come on and lead the way. Speak up, speak up and be not afraid. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal, it will cost you nothing extra, but 7-8% to of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. God's gift to women is returned. It's the Onion Radio News brought to you by Lexi. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Just moments after unsuccessfully propositioning all of the female patrons at the Contiki Lounge last evening, God's gift to women, 31-year-old Patrick Rowland, was returned to his maker. Fellow lounge patron Debbie Warner witnessed the incident. That Pat guy was cute, but he was really pushing, trying to buy us all drinks and stuff. We told him to buzz off, and then a few minutes later, he stumbles out the door and gets run over by a bus. Warner added that the next time God's feeling generous, she hopes he'll give women something more useful, like money. Doyle Redland for The Onion. I gotta be me. I gotta be me. What else can I be but what I am? I want to live, not merely survive. I won't give up this dream of life that keeps me alive. I gotta be me. I gotta be me. The Supreme Court has ruled against the class action lawsuit that was filed by women who worked at Walmart. Uh, the women uh, claim that because of discrimination within the company, they were unable to get promoted to manager positions and they were underpaid. You get the picture. Well, of course, unsurprisingly, uh, the Supreme Court said, no, uh, we're going to strike this down. We don't believe that this is a class action lawsuit. In fact, according to the Associated Press, by a 5-4 vote along ideological lines, the court said there were too many women in too many jobs at Walmart to wrap into one lawsuit. However, here's another claim that they made. Uh, the lawsuit failed to show a company-wide discriminatory pay and promotion policy. 
In other words, oh, there are so many women, countless women, claiming that there's discrimination within this company. However, they have failed to prove that this is actually happening, that it is an actual policy. Right. Like, in other words, it needs to be in the fine print in order for a class action policy to be filed. Right, right. It need, for the, they need to come out and say, we hate women, and that's why we discriminate against them. Okay, do we wait? Come on, who's going to say that, right? Let's look at the numbers just real quick. Um, Dating uh, from back in 2001, women uh, are grossly underrepresented among the manager level, 14% of store manager positions, uh, compared with 80% of lower-ranking supervisory jobs that are paid by the hour, right? So that's a big, big discrepancy. Walmart said that, well, look, in its retail stores, two-thirds of all of its employees and two-thirds of the managers uh, were women, right? So they're saying at the lower levels, it's all women working for us, so that's why there's a lot of managers down there. At the higher levels, come on, they're women. Now, wait a minute. How does it explain that you're not hiring women at the higher levels, that all your lower-level workers are women? There's a disconnect. It's not like, oh, well, they're lower-level. Obviously, they can't be higher-level. No. If all, you have all those managers who are women, why aren't they getting promoted up? But for me... It's not about whether Walmart was discriminating or not. That You'd have to be involved in the jury and hear a lot of evidence, and I'd be very open-minded about that, and I'd want to see, you know, what can you show, et cetera, et cetera, and I don't have all the facts enough to make a decision on that, okay? For me, this is an absolutely outrageous decision because it is the Supreme Court protecting all of corporate America mm -hmm. and crushing the average worker. Why? If you cannot file a class action lawsuit, no one is going to have enough money to get representation. See, the class action lawsuits work, brings all the workers together so that if they win, they win a big amount, so it makes sense for a lawyer to represent them. If it's just Joe Johnson, and he's in a store in Arkansas, or in this case, Mary Johnson, and she's being discriminated against, how the hell, she's making, what is she making, $9 an hour? How the hell is she going to offer uh, offer an attorney any money? If she wins, what's she going to win? What's she going to win? A couple right. of thousand dollars? No attorney's going to take that case. You think the Supreme Court doesn't know that? You think they the do know that. You think the five justices on the Supreme Court who voted this way, and it was, of course, five to four, all the conservatives voted this way, all the uh, others voted the other way. You think those, of course they know that. And they think, excellent, we crushed the workers, and they'll never be able to file any lawsuit, right or wrong, ever again, because nobody will take their case. An enormous win for multinational corporations, an enormous loss for American workers, and business as usual in America. Right. Justice Ginsburg uh, made the exact same point that you made. And, you know, she's saying, well, look, uh, what, what are we going to do now? Basically, we're not representing the workers, the average workers, and the two women who are really pushing for this class action lawsuit say that they're not going to allow uh, this decision to stop them, they're going to continue on with lawsuits and do whatever they can uh, to create equality within Walmart. But it's going to be even more difficult than ever. And it, Look, this case, since it's already gone so far, might continue because the lawyers on it might continue to work even if they're not going to get a big payout, out, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. But how about the next case? Right? How about the next case that isn't about Walmart, that isn't about anything else? Uh, so w what's going to happen then? Okay? Mm -hmm. so, in the, you'll never hear about it. You'll never hear about it. it because somebody, somebody will go to a lawyer and a lawyer will laugh at them. Hundreds of people, thousands of people all across the country will go to a lawyer and say, hey, you know what, they're discriminating against me and, and everybody else here. They says, oh, I'm going to take up your case and win 10000 bucks." 
after I spend years and years and years, we're going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. It's going to cost me a hundred thousand, maybe millions of dollars, and I'm going to win what five thousand bucks, ten thousand bucks, and they're going to tell all those people to get out of their office, and they can't. They can't take those cases, and that's it. Another huge win for corporations. Look, you got to understand something about the Supreme Court. Yeah, you know they're wildly partisan. You know, so much garbage. All that wasted time and effort where they try to pretend it's about their principles, right? And, you know, conservatives do this all the time. You know, progressives, sometimes they switch positions too, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Bush case, everybody flopped. Okay, flip-flopped. Uh, the conservatives who said they were for states' rights all said, screw the state of Florida. We don't give a damn about their rights. We're ending the voting right now. The progressives who said, nah, states' rights aren't that important, national issues flip to the other side. Now, people will really disagree with me on the interpretation. They'll say progressives are right, the conservatives are wrong. Okay, I hear you. Okay, fine. And it's a, I don't want to get into that now. Okay. But on the conservatives, they, there's no question. They, have, they don't care about any of their principles. Okay. And I don't even care about the partisan stuff. That's what I was getting to. The, oh, there's only one issue that matters the most, and that is the strength of corporations. This Supreme Court is lockstep in favor of multinational corporations. That is their whole point. I go back to this because people don't know it. 1971, Lewis Powell, working for the Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. writes a memo, says, hey, you know what? Uh, we're uh, trying to influence uh, politics to go in our direction so we can get you know, more favors from the government. But we're going about this the wrong way. We've got to first go get conquer the Supreme Court and then they will open up the laws that allow us to buy the politicians. Okay? Richard? And they've done that. That's exactly how it worked out. Well, here's how it worked out. Richard Nixon thought, brilliant memo, welcome to the Supreme Court. And he became Justice Lewis Powell. And Justice Lewis Powell was a deciding vote in two decisions, mm-hmm. okay, uh, that were absolutely critical. In 1976, Buckley v. Vallejo, where they say it is free speech to spend money on politics. Okay? Money equals speech. In 1978, in First Bank of Boston versus Berlotti, they say corporations have the same First Amendment rights as people, hence they can spend money on politics, and the rest has been a downward slide into oblivion. And I saw my reflection in the snow-covered hill. Hi, I'm Sam Cedar. You may know me from my shows on Air America Radio, from filling in for Keith Olbermann on Countdown, or even, God forbid, my directing shows like Comedy Central's I'm With Busey. If not, you should really get to know me. Not personally, of course. I think we'd both find that uncomfortable. But if you're a fan of the best of the left like me, I think you'll enjoy my daily live show and podcast, The Majority Report, at Majority.fm. It's a daily dose of political news, analysis, and guests like Chris Hayes, Robert Reich, Digby, comedians like Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, filmmakers like Morgan Spurlock and Lucy Walker, and on occasion, between my rants on raising taxes, ending wars, and decorporatizing our democracy, I can be mildly amusing. I'm unbought and unbossed daily on the Majority Report at Majority.fm. Nineteen seventy-five. The movie Jaws came out that year, and now we have scummer, summer scary blockbuster movies forevermore. Saturday Night Live started in nineteen seventy-five. 
1975, Microsoft was becoming a company for the first time. 1975 was also the year that BIC rolled out disposable razors. Also 1975, International Women's Year. That's right, ladies of the world, it was a year just for you. I was two years old at the time, so I couldn't really appreciate it then. But feminists in 1975 were psyched, and they had big, ambitious goals. Women's liberation is truly the liberation of all people. Let 1975, International Women's Year, be the year that ERA is ratified. That, of course, was noted women's liber. Republican President Gerald Ford talking up one of his goals for International Women's Year, the passage of the acronym that sometimes signifies the earned run average, but in this case stands for the Equal Rights Amendment, the ERA. And it's pretty straightforward as these things go. It's pretty cut and dry. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. That's it. That's the whole amendment. It would amend the Constitution to say, in America, the law cannot discriminate against people because of their sex. Despite lots of people working very hard on it, the ERA did not happen in 1975. Despite President Ford's hopes, International Women's Year was not the year ERA would be ratified. But last week, last week, it started to feel like 1975 all over again, and not just because the Camaro is back. Last week, the Supreme Court rejected the biggest sex discrimination class action lawsuit in U.S. history. One technical part of the case on what kind of relief people are allowed to sue for in that kind of case, that was decided unanimously. But the sex discrimination part of the case against Walmart, that was decided on familiar ideological lines. The court's five conservatives siding with Walmart, the court's non-conservatives siding with the women who said they were discriminated against. Two days after that ruling, two days after the Supreme Court decided for Walmart and against about a million women, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney of New York and Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey decided to reintroduce the old ERA. And why not? Upon reintroducing the Equal Rights Amendment, Congresswoman Maloney said the Walmart case decided by the Supreme Court is a classic example of how far attitudes must still come. The facts of the case support the view that over a million women were systematically denied equal pay by the world's largest employer. You know, the Equal Rights Amendment is, is one of those things that gets introduced in every Congress, but nobody ever really pays that much attention to it anymore. And it goes way further back than even 1975. An early version of it was written in 1923. But it was 1972 before it finally got around to passing overwhelmingly through both the House and the Senate. A constitutional amendment, though, also has to go not just through Congress, but through the states. It had to be ratified by 38 states within a decade of it passing Congress. So it passed Congress in 72. By 82, at the end of 10 years, the ERA had made it through 35 states, not the 38 states it needed to get through. And so it ran out of time three states short. Now here we are in 2011 with nothing in the Constitution that says you cannot discriminate on the basis of sex. And more than a million women saying they were paid less by Walmart because they are women. And the Supreme Court telling those million women, tough luck. And Carolyn Maloney, who just so happens to have a copy of the Equal Rights Amendment that you might very much like to read. It's quite short and to the point. It won't take long. So who knows? The Camaro is back. People are using 70s fonts again. Maybe this could be the year for the ERA. I mean, we haven't really truly debated it in almost 30 years. How do the arguments stand up from the last time we thought about this? 
The main voice against it at the time was a woman named Phyllis Schlafly. She is still around. She would likely still make the same arguments. So how does old Phyllis Schlafly hold up over time? It would be a direct attack on our families, on our morals, on our culture. When the Equal Rights Amendment was defeated in Florida, one of the arguments of the Phyllis Schlafly's of the world against it was that they said it would legalize unisex bathrooms. And that, of course, would bring down the republic. Now, let us get on to what I'm crazy about what they call the potty problem. (laughs) It has been said that if we're all equal, we're all going to have to use the same bathroom facilities. Another really effective argument against the ERA last time we fought about this as a country was that making women equal to men in the eyes of the law would be the same thing as making men and women the same thing. The fact is that the militant advocates of the so-called ERA, who are misleading thousands of fine women across this land, do not want to raise a family as we have cherished over the years, nor to have any sexual, physical, or social differences between a man and woman in modern America. See, if you vote for the ERA, you will transform the entire human race into a subclass of asexual bond people without families. For the good of the women as well as the families and the total fabric of our society in America, it would be a deterrent to uh, progress in America, particularly in the strength of the family. The uh, most important uh, activity that a woman can engage in is that in the home, rearing children, our citizens for tomorrow. And we can't go having the people rearing our children, our citizens for tomorrow. We can't go having them having equal rights. Um, But it was not just about destroying families and and men and women peeing too near together. Uh, Its opponents also argued that the Equal Rights Amendment would have unintended consequences. Like it might not just give rights to ladies, if you know what I mean. I would caution the members of this platform committee that there are things that could happen from the passage of an ERA amendment that none of us would like to see happen. Would the Equal Rights Amendment be a unisex amendment which would require states to permit homosexuals to be married? The Equal Rights Amendment says you cannot discriminate on account of sex. And if you want to deny a marriage license to a man and a man, or deny a homosexual the right to teach in the schools or to adopt children, it is on account of sex that you would deny it, and that would be unconstitutional under ERA. I think that families would, generation after generation, deteriorate. I think that there would be homosexuals who expect preferential treatment. And I think that our society would would decay. I think we would find ourselves just in the same situation that ancient Greece found themselves in, the Romans. I think we can see that civilizations have declined when those kinds of things have taken place. And I'm afraid that the Equal Rights Amendment might lead to that. Remember the ancient Greeks, right? First it was equal rights for women. Then it was preferential treatment for the gays. And then the end, no more Greece. Uh, but perhaps most directly, the opponents of the ERA argued uh, that giving women equal rights um, would kill you. If the Equal Rights Amendment were ratified, these girls could be forced to go to combat. God didn't intend women for NFL football or combat. 
Women are exempt from the draft. Selective service says only young men of age 18 have to register. But the Equal Rights Amendment will positively make women subject to the draft and on an equal basis with men. Uh, nor could you have a system whereby the women would get all the nice, easy desk jobs and the men get all the fighting jobs. In the 70s and the early 80s, it was Phyllis Schlafly and Jerry Falwell who were there to protect American women from war and the NFL. Uh, but, but that argument, the part about women's role in the military, was probably the one with the most crossover appeal at the time. Anecdotally, at least, people who were otherwise for the Equal Rights Amendment thought twice about it when people started talking about women in the military. Kind of how women are de facto in combat now, uh, which makes you wonder how Phyllis Schlafly is coping. Even without the ERA... These ladies did not get their desk jobs. What's next? Women on submarines or something? Oh, hey, look. Women on submarines. Turns out we've gotten over that one, too. So, yeah, the ERA has been kicking around forever. But why couldn't it become law now? Do the arguments against it from the 1970s still stand up now? Really? I know the House is full of Republicans, and so are the state legislatures now. But one underappreciated thing about the modern Republican Party is how much Republicans want to change the Constitution. Republicans want to change the Constitution for everything. In recent years, Republicans have proposed what they call a repeal amendment, changing the Constitution so states can repeal any federal law they don't like. They've proposed dropping the 14th Amendment so you're not necessarily a citizen just because you're born here. They have proposed a constitutional amendment to ban the U.S. government from buying stock in a company. Presidential candidate Michelle Bachman proposed a constitutional amendment to ban the president from entering into a treaty that would change the U.S. currency to some sort of global currency, because that's an urgent concern. Republicans have pushed to repeal the 17th Amendment. That's the one that says we get to elect U.S. senators. Republicans have also backed in recent years a parental rights amendment to the Constitution to make sure the U.N. doesn't come in and take away American parents' rights. Republicans have proposed amending the Constitution, of course, to ban gay marriage. Republicans have proposed amending the Constitution to ban abortion. Republicans have proposed repealing the 16th Amendment, which would ban the income tax. They have wanted to amend the Constitution to make English the official language of the United States. They have wanted to amend the Constitution to ban desecration of the flag, to ban deficit. Republicans proposed 42 different amendments to the United States Constitution in the last Congress alone. So, Equal Rights Amendment? Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. Equal Rights Amendment is that simple. Given all the other ways Republicans say they want to amend the Constitution, does that one just go too far? Shock, shock, horror, horror, shock, shock, horror. I'll shout myself hoarse for your supernatural force. The female of the species is more deadly than the moon. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able. As anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong, progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. 
I, wa I watch a lot of uh, uh, Fox News <laughs> because I hate my own head. Uh, but my favorite not, uh, Fox News personality, and this is true, hands down, uh, Megyn Kelly. The host of America Live, it runs in the afternoons, and uh, Megyn went on maternity leave three and a half months ago, and Fox tried to pull a fast one, replacing her with uh, this lady for a little bit. And then, in some cases, this other lady. Come on, Fox, you think you can sneak just any pretty blonde lady into Megyn Kelly's chair and we won't notice? All right, it did take me a couple days to notice. By the way, I happen to know it is an anchor lady harvest season until October. Well, good news, my friends. Megyn Kelly back in the studio this week. New hairdo with the same take-no-prisoners attitude. Watch your take on this talk radio host who had the nerve to make a crack about her while she was off the air. Here's what you said well, let me put on, on your a, radio show. Radio yes. show. Stand by. Megan's on, still on maternity leave, right? Yeah. Well, well, that's what do you a, mean? Are you complaining? She's, well, she's bonding with her baby. What a racket that is. I mean, men don't get to what bond. What a racket? Well, how much time does she get off to have to shed Probably the baby? three months. Would you care to explain those remarks, Mr. Gallagher? Maternity leave? It's a racket? Well, are you going to disagree that there is a... Now, again, I'm, a, I'm on oh, my you're knees standing in, by. Are you in, doubling in down? Apology. No, 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 no. Are you not taking those <laughs> remarks back? Is maternity leave, according to you, a racket? How is it a racket? <laughs> Does it make you laugh? Is my special bond with my baby here to amuse you? You tell me how it's like a racket. You son of a bitch. How is my maternity leave a racket? My wife? No. <laughs> Different movie. Megyn Kelly is badass. That guy, that guy was calling maternity leave a racket. He was saying that women shouldn't get paid for, and Megyn Kelly was just like, Rah! never get between a mama grizzly and her maternity leave. She's making quite a spirited argument that workers are entitled to certain benefits, and that society has an interest in protecting these benefits, which is great and really weird. Wait, because that's not the Fox Megyn Kelly that I thought I knew. Do you think that there's get any um, getting the tentacles that government has, has placed into our lives out? Are we just stuck with these massive entitlement programs that we have now? She used to hate entitlement programs, <laughs> mandated benefits and things like that. See if you can spot the difference between Megyn Kelly coming off of maternity leave and, and some of her earlier work. What is it about getting pregnant and carrying a baby nine months that you don't think deserves a few months off so bonding and recovery can take place. Hmm? The, the entitlement, you know, that sense of entitlement, they've been built into the cake, you know, they're in the system. And so to try to take them away now, it's like trying to take Social Security away. Once Very it's in, tough. how do you get rid of it? The United States is the only advanced country that doesn't require paid leave. The free market America should dictate. The free market no, no, should guide. That's the way it works in, in American society. If anything, the United States I, I, is in the dark ages when it comes to maternity leave. A lot of our viewers don't see it that way. They see it as a, the first step towards socialism. They see it as the creation of a welfare state. Well, do men get maternity leave, Megan? I, I yeah. can't believe I'm asking you Guess this. Guess what, honey? They do. Yes, they do. It's called no. a family. Really? Medical Leave Re Act. If men would like to take right. three months off to go take care of their newborn baby, they can. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lee, but don't they call it maternity leave for a reason? How is it discriminatory to give less time to the man who didn't have the baby? I know what happened. When you cut your hair, it sapped your conservative strength. Like a right-wing Samson. That means Rachel Maddow's just ten scissorless weeks from a Fox contract. <laughs> See, this, this is the problem with entitlements. They're really only entitlements 
when there's something other people want. When it's something you want, they're a hallmark of a civilized society, the foundation of a great people. I just had a baby and found out maternity leave strengthens society. But since I still have a job, unemployment benefits are clearly socialism. <laughs> to put it more simply, have you noticed that they are stuffing and your is stuffed? Once again, George Carlin says in a sentence what took us three and a half minutes. So either Megyn Kelly has inadvertently exposed the hypocrisy at the heart of conservative demonization of unions and the working class, or... Oh my God, it's worse than we thought. Megyn Kelly is suffering from postpartum compassion. <laughs> It'll pass. We'll be right back. It's not bad just overseas. Life expectancy actually drops for women, has dropped for women, in nearly 25% of U.S. counties. Life expectancy in the U.S. is 37th in the world. And in many cases, we're actually moving backwards, and women in particular are the victims of that backward progress. Or rather, backward regression. Or just regression, I think. If I think we right. don't have to just say backward. Yeah. Researchers at the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation published a county-by-county -county analysis of life expectancy. Bear with me here, Lewis. From 87 to 97, 1987 to 1997, 227 counties experienced a female life expectancy decrease. In the 10 years that followed, 1997 to 2007, the number of counties where women's life expectancy dropped exploded to 737. And when we compare these numbers with the rest of the world, it's even more appalling. Of the nation's three, about 3,100 counties, almost two-thirds fell further behind life expectancies for women in the 10 longest living countries. And this is despite, as we know, Lewis, the highest per capita health spending in the world. In the world. So, in other words, no matter what you hear about the U.S. having the greatest health care system in the world, for huge chunks of the population, the system is simply not working. And we are seeing the evidence literally everywhere, Lewis. If we look at spending, if we look at results, if we look at access to care, if we look at the fact that the for-profit health treatment industry has completely taken control of the entire business, and that's sadly what it is, the business of health of Americans and American residents. Is there any area we can point to, Lewis, that suggests the for-profit system is working well? I can't think of any. Well, no, I guess not, other than the fact that it's better than no healthcare system. For those who have it. Right for those who have it and have access to it. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Tyrone Gale.
So preventative care medicine and free birth control for women are a bad thing, according to Fox. Is the White House out of their mind? Does the West Wing not know what the left wing is doing? We have $14 trillion in debt, and now we're going to cover birth control, breast pumps, counseling for abuse. Are we going to do pedicures and manicures as well? I think that would be a good idea. Starting in August 2012, insurers will be required to cover the full cost of family, uh, family planning. Supporters say this marks a milestone in women's health care. Birth control opponents argue this is the government messing with God. According to studies from the Kaiser Health News, unplanned pregnancies cost taxpayers up to $11 billion a year. Apparently, the government helping to lower the cost burden through preventative care is a cause for Fox's concern. Here's the good news of the day, and there okay. hasn't been a lot of good news, but this is good. Uh, insured women in the United States will now have uh, free breast cancer screenings, and they will also get free contraception. It's, it seems too good to be true. <laughs> I know, I know. So this, so this is what happened. So I read the story, and I'm like, no, no. There's no way politicians would pass this because they care about people, right? <laughs> so what are their incentives? How, how did people incentivize this? I'm like, pharmaceutical companies. That's what it has to be. They want to make sure that uh, insurance companies purchase the uh, birth control pills for their clients or for their customers, and then their customers have to take it. Or don't have to take it, but have access to it. It's not a bad point. <laughs> Having said that, look, I'll take a win any way we can get it. And I, you know, I don't even care about their motives. It's definitely a positive result. And of course, some people are complaining, conservatives, Republicans, like, oh my God, uh, you know, th this will get passed on to the consumer. Uh, the current estimates are that it will not, right? No, because it will not. Because it's such a small cost that, that it's just probably likely to have the plans remain at probably the same price that they are now. But even if they did, now obviously I don't take birth control uh, pills, right? Because I'm a man. But if it got passed on to me with a small increase in my payments because we want to have more uh, birth control bills out there, I would love it. Because, in fact, it'll probably lower my bills in the future because then we don't have to pay for unintended pregnancies, exactly. which cost so much more. Plus, women get access to something that they should get access to that's important for their health care, let alone everything else. Plus, I want, if I'm single, I want the woman that I'm having sex with to be able to have access to birth control pills. Otherwise, we're going to have even more trouble. Right? Exactly. So it makes sense for everybody. And look, on a day where we have a lot of bad news coming out of the White House, it's nice to have at least a little bit of good news. They've actually done something right for the country and certainly right for women. This is Jeremy calling from San Mateo and Twisted Politics. That's with an X. Uh, hey, I've been a big fan of your show. I've been listening for a while and really, really appreciate everything that you do. And I, and I like how you've uh, set up all the social media, uh, media sharing and so forth. One thing I, I, I wanted to share was I think Kennedy in the 60s shared the vision of going to the moon. And we had this huge race to the moon and, and every American stood behind the whole 
platform and, and people dreamed and they thought about the future and they worked towards it. So uh, I think that's something that we're missing. And uh, I've got an idea. The race to Iguazu. <laughs> you probably never heard of this. Iguazu Falls in Brazil. I'm thinking about the race for a high-speed rail that runs from the North Pole to the South Pole. And it has to be green. That is, it has to uh, be built by the people that are unemployed now. And it can't displace poor people. And it has to generate positive cultural interests in other countries. And if you look at it, South America is booming right now. Brazil is booming. We could use that money here in the United States, and that could help with our great deficit problem. Anyway, I'm going to start writing articles on that. Hopefully, you'll uh, you'll see those and retweet and talk about it. Look forward to uh, hearing more of your shows. Take care. Bye. Hey, Jay. This is Alex from uh, Vancouver, uh, Canada. Um, I uh, had a request for a show topic. I was hoping that you could touch on the subject of the war on drugs, given that the conversation is uh, leading towards... Uh, decriminalization of uh, marijuana. I think it'd be a fascinating topic, and I don't see enough of it in the media, so hopefully you're able to make a show. I understand that you're, you you can only compile as much as you can, given that you have to work with the source material that you're given. So uh, in that end, I have contacted as many of your regular sources and asked the same question. So if you don't mind keeping your eye out for this topic, that would be great. I'd love to hear uh, what uh, you could compile in an episode. Again, thanks for everything. Uh, great show. I've been supporting for almost a year now, and I encourage uh, all the other listeners to uh, jump on board and, and uh, do what they can. Thanks again. Bye. Hello, this is Franklin Bear. I'm calling from Cary, North Carolina. Uh, Jay really loves your show. I just wanted to comment, if it's not too late, about the, I think maybe the subject was confirmation bias. Um, and I know you've had probably a lot of comments about this already, and uh, just I haven't heard this particular point of view, which is that uh, I think when I heard you make the statement that you realized that you were part of the problem, uh, first of all, I was very impressed that, that you would show that level of humility, because um, I don't think we would see that on a conservative talk show. Uh, but then it got me thinking, as as a person with a psychology background, what, why that didn't quite ring true with regards to your show, with regards to uh, left wing politics, and I I I think, uh, and just for background information, I used to be a conservative myself uh, back when I was in high school. I've made quite a 180, and um, it got me to thinking that instead of looking at left versus right in terms of one team versus another I really look at uh, being uh, progressive and liberal more as a holistic approach to life rather than and to politics rather than uh, a narrow approach which tends to be a conservative point of view you know, conservatives tend to point to things like uh, certain kinds of economic research whether it's true or not um, but they they don't necessarily say how that affects everyone including the poor and the sick um, you know elderly people different uh, they don't look at the entire picture it's I guess what I'm trying to say but liberals progressives do we try to look at policy 
from perspective of as many different points of view as possible, including environmental impacts and uh, foreign policy. And I think uh, we've been boxed into this left team versus right team so much, and it's been framed that way from the right side that uh, we tend to see ourselves that way. But really, we just have a larger vision, and that larger vision um, is not embraced <laughs> by those with narrower minds. And so I, I don't think that confirmation bias uh, comes into play as probably as much as you think. And uh, we just need to reaffirm what it is we stand for, which is a holistic approach to policy, politics, and life. Uh, I think that about covers it, but um, I appreciate uh, I appreciate your show very much and look forward to the next episode. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. Now, I am sure you will not be at all surprised to hear that we definitely have some reactions to the meat-eating versus vegan-slash-vegetarian argument. Uh, I have decided to relegate all of those comments to the end of the show, and I certainly expect to get more. Those will also be at the end of the show in you know coming episodes. So uh, if you have like a normal comment to make about anything else, that'll be in the normal voicemail section, and the whole uh, you know food choices discussion will all be segmented all by itself. So if you want to hear it, that's where it is, and if you don't, it's really easy to skip. If I were to sum up my argument for this entire food choices discussion in one sentence, it would basically be that uh, those arguing forcefully on either side should come to the, the discussion with a deeper sense of humility than, than is often the case. If I were to expand further into two or three uh, sentences, it would be that those uh, arguing on the side of eating meat should come with a, a deeper sense of humility understanding that there are really simple, uh, easy-to-understand reasons, especially from the progressive perspective of why it is not ethical to eat meat. You don't even have to get into the you know, animal rights argument. You can just start with uh, you know, climate change, something that 99% of progressives agree with, and that can be the end of the discussion right there. On the other side, I think those uh, who choose not to eat meat and advocate for that lifestyle – should also have a sense of humility geared more towards the idea of understanding where the other people are coming from, understanding where their state of mind is and why it's a touchy subject for a lot of people, and uh, understanding a lot of the emotions involved. So that being said, I will say that uh, of the voicemails that have come in so far, most of them have done a really good job of maintaining a, a level of humility in their discussions all except one. So if you're interested in hearing that, it is at the end of the show. And um, I'm very interested to hear if, uh, if anyone has any reactions to him. So that's going to be it for today. I just want to thank a couple of members before I go. Norma G signed up for her leftist monthly membership back on February 14th. And Christopher F signed up for a socialist uh, membership paid for a full year in advance back on June 11th. So huge thanks to Norma and Christopher and all the members and donors who helped make the show possible. I couldn't do it without you guys. Everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the links to individual clips online through your social networks and beyond. 
You can stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can even donate your Facebook and Twitter accounts to the show to help spread the word that way. Details about that are on the website. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all those details are always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 11 times a month, thanks entirely to the members and donors of the show from bestoftheleft.com. Thought points are black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Who shadow bases the floor Who'll take you out in the open door This is not my life Hi, this is Sumita from Pittsburgh. Um, I was listening to your conversations on this last week's show about the morality of eating meat. And I think that the, the term sort of in itself gives a sense of judgment. Morality is just the sense of behavior of what a society thinks are good or bad. So when we say something is morally wrong, it sort of depends on the context that we're using it in. I did notice that you had uh, sort of poo-pooed one person's argument about vegetables not having uh, nervous systems. However, the, uh, there's a Swiss group called the Committee on Non-Human Biotechnology that does show that vegetables, just like every other life form, have stimuli. And who is to say what has feeling and what doesn't? We haven't defined that. There's so many things that were so loosely brought up in this conversation. The ethics of eating meat really comes down to what is the societal norm. Now, I think a better argument is uh, how do we humanely eat meat or humanely live in our environment? And I think there are real serious conversations we need to have about the concentrated animal feeding operations, the CAFOs, and how we do uh, large industry farming and whether uh, it is a good thing for our country and for our health and for the health of other creatures and our environment and a large macro and mesoscale and how it affects us on a micro scale as individuals. I think that these are very real arguments, but the concept of morality uh, of whether or not we eat meat or not is sort of saying, oh, I personally think my ethics believes this and therefore anybody who doesn't believe that is, a, is immoral or amoral. Uh, I just something to think about uh, when we're throwing all these judgments out that our personal visceral response to what we think is right or wrong may not necessarily be what is actually right or wrong for our society and uh, and that it's more of a fluid thing. Uh, and I hope that people do, and I hope that you do, more best-of-the-left reports on the CAFOs. Uh, there are some nasty, nasty stuff. Bye. Hey, Jay, this is Javier from Boston. I was just calling uh, in regards to the recent uh, debate between uh, vegans and, you know, people who uh, want to still eat their meat and enjoy it. I agree with a lot of what's been said recently, but mostly 
as it pertains to my own argument, you know, as a meat eater, what I think is uh, the two biggest problems in America, first of all, that, you know, we have an appetite problem. Most meat eaters, I mean, they want to eat meat and they don't care where it comes from. You know, if it's uh, grown humanely or not, if it's uh, slaughtered humanely or not, and, you know, how healthy it is based on the diet it had. Where I grew up, you know, not only did we uh, feed the cattle grass and, you know, give it a relatively good, open social life, we'd also eat pretty much every part of it. I mean, intestine and tongue and stuff like that. I mean, they're delicacies where I come from. And here, I mean, people mostly just kill the animal and throw away everything except for the misfile mignon, you know? <laughs> and it applies to everything in, you know, American life. I mean, people burn too much gasoline, people love their electronics, their iPhones, no matter how many people are committing suicide at the factory. People love doing more and more drugs. I mean, America has the highest drug consumption per capita, no matter how many people die in my native Mexico every year. And I've come to realize that people are not going to, you know, how do you say, take that stuff too seriously, yeah, because they don't want to lose their privileges. But it just annoys me when people make such a huge, huge deal about animals when, you know, they're ignoring, like, all the uh, human costs to, like, all the actions that they take. But, hey, just wanted to call in because I love the show. Have a good one. Bye. Hi, Jay. Chuck in Salt Lake City. I just wanted to call in and say thanks for getting through two separate segments and two separate shows, uh, contrasting the arguments of vegans and omnivores and not once calling uh, me or any other omnivore a murderer. You may remember, uh, as may some others, that that's kind of what got this started, not the fact that I couldn't handle a, 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 an argument from a vegan. It was just being called a murderer, you know, half a dozen times every time I listened to Citizen Radio. You were able to make these arguments without making that statement, and I, I really appreciate it, and that's why your show is so much more listenable than theirs. Also, uh, I appreciate anyone standing up and tearing down my arguments. Uh, I get, You know, I live in Utah. i got to listen to it all the time, everything from abortion to uh, labor rights. So I don't have a problem with, with, with that. It's just when I have an abortionist calling me a murderer for voting Democrat, it irks me. And, uh, and, and, and when I have a vegan calling me a murderer for eating a cow or a chicken, it kind of bugs me too. And I guess that was the only thing that I felt was missing from your argument was addressing the fact that uh, murder is homicide. Murder is killing another human being, and it's not the same thing. And, and uh, I, I wish you could have brought that up. But aside from that, great couple of shows, a uh, great couple of segments. Thanks for not making me out to be a murderer. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Looking forward to supporting you in the future, Jay. Approval is not given to edit comments, but if you'd like to leave, uh, air them verbatim, that is fine. My name is I'm a long-time listener to your show and consider myself a progressive individual. However, I have rarely been outraged as much as your recent show with the comments on vegans. Vegans, to my view, are, they can have their views, but to me, their views are the same as Christian extremists. And then for you to trash the gentleman that called him from Arizona, I was listening to his comments and I thought, I absolutely agreed with what he said, and you called him an ego extremist? Let's face it. Animals under the dominion of man. I agree with him with plants. Who knows about plants? Who knows about fish? I don't go hunting. I do not go fishing. 
but I did work in a cattle farm because I enjoyed meat. I believe in PETA, people eating tasty animals. I looked at the cows in the eyes, the ones that crossed the field got to breed and live long lives, because of course they're all females, they got to breed and live long lives, the ones I had to grab by the horns and shake around who would not go to the next field, I would look those sentient beings in the eye and say, if you don't move to the next pasture, I will eat you. And I did. And I feel no regret towards that because we are omnivores. We create life and of our existence, we consume life. Whether it's the life of the planet, whether it's the life of another person, even in case of wars, which I certainly don't condone. But we need to shepherd our resources, whether those are animal resources, whether those are plant resources, whether those are human resources. But for these vegans to compare eating a cow with eating a baby or to compare it with child labor is just totally outrageous. I think you're starting now to go from the point where you help the left cause to where you're hurting the left cause. You know what? I'm going to the store and get myself a steak. You have really turned me off. Have a good day. Feel free to return my call. Believe me, I'll never be sending you any money now. I mean, I might. I supported your cause, but I think your attitude regarding this vegan issue is disgraceful and alienating a big cause, a big section of the people that you would like to help, that you would like to help. I probably shouldn't call when I'm so angry, but after listening to those comments, I was just seething and listening to your comments because I totally agreed with the gentleman from Arizona who you trashed. Outrageous. Simply outrageous. Do not put my phone number on your show. Thank you. Hi, it's Hey, what I shouldn't have even leave my name um, or phone number, certainly. Do not put my phone number on, and don't put my name or state on your show. Uh, please do not. You can air my comments if you like, but do not put any identifying information about this, because my Republican friends would be shocked to know that I listen to a left-wing show, but after your vegan rants, maybe I won't. So please, no identifying information. Thank you. Call me if you like. I left the number on the previous message. We can discuss it, but I do not want any identifying information. And if you don't want to run the thing and just stick with people that, spend, that share your twisted view on this, um, that's fine, too. So feel free not to run it. And don't run my identifying information. And I just maybe not be listening because of your trashing of that gentleman from Arizona, which was the most uncalled-for, hateful thing I ever heard. I was listening to his comment, and I was saying, he's exactly right, and then you trashed him? What the hell is the matter with you? Do not run my name or state or location. All right? I'm letting you know now on this, okay? Don't do it. Thanks. Bye.